0: Well, Taylor, I have your uh, book in front of me, and uh, the edition that I have uh, has a quote on the front, gripping and frankly terrifying. The quote is by Tom Holland. Uh, So I thought maybe we could um, start off here. Well, I
1: think 1983 was a very dangerous year. We had, um, in the White House, we had a president, Ronald Reagan, who was talking very tough, very aggressive, with a very strong anti-communist line, that had been his sort of life's mission almost to denounce communism. Um, He was talking tough, he described the Soviet Union as the evil empire, he launched a whole program. strategic defense initiative which became nicknamed as the Star Wars program a whole program that that, that threatened it would shoot down any incoming missiles in space uh, almost making the United States um, impervious to to nuclear attack, to missile attack, which, of course, fundamentally shifts the balance of the Cold War, balance of terror. Um, And as well as talking tough, he was roughly doubling U.S. defence expenditure Mm -hmm. over the first four to five years of his administration. So you had a very tough, hardline figure in the White House. In Kremlin, you had... um, (laughs) By reverse, almost, you you had quite a a weak figure after decades of Leonid Brezhnev being in charge. When he died, he'd been replaced by the elderly Yuri Andropov, um, a man who physically was not well. uh, The big crisis towards the end of the year, he was on a kidney dialysis machine, he wasn't even in the Kremlin, he was actually in a clinic outside Moscow. Uh, uh, There's a lot of debate about how. how the physical or medical condition of leaders affects their thinking, but it certainly couldn't have, uh, couldn't have helped his clarity of thinking. His physical deformity felt weak every day after going through kidney dialysis. Um, he was next KGB, and had, uh, had the sort of KGB sense of paranoia uh, uh, around the world that there were threats everywhere, both internally within the Soviet Union and externally. And he became very distressed, I think is no, not too strong a word to put it, he became very distressed by the aggressive tone coming out of Washington. He figured that the Soviet Union was not being given the respect it deserves, that it was constantly being put down, throwing him on the on the defensive. Um, so the atmosphere between the two superpowers in 1983 was a very tense and anxious one. Added to this came a whole series of events during the course of that year that really upped the temperature, if you like, that, that, that really increased the pressure the Americans were almost goading the Soviet military defenses by overflying uh, and sending ships into Soviet naval waters to test their response to see how quickly they would scramble defenses or or, or, or mobilize a reaction to the encroachment of their airspace or naval waters um, in at the end of uh, August beginning of September 1983, a Korean airliner at the famous AAL 07 flew hundreds of miles off course, um, penetrating, flying over very um, sensitive Soviet military uh, airspace. And with this very tense atmosphere, the um, Soviet air defenders launched a, a, a fighter plane and actually shot it down with the loss of 269 innocent lives. This again provoked outrage in Washington. Reagan called. Uh, this a terrorist act by a terrorist state. Uh, and so the tension rose. There were a series of other incidents, uh, uh, nothing really to do very much with the um, Cold War rivalry, but which further increased tension. There was a, a bomb against the U.S. peacekeeping the U.S. Marines based in Beirut, launched, we now know, by a group calling themselves Hezbollah. It was one of their first actions on the world stage. And the U.S. military responded by um, putting all their military bases in shutdown, increasing defensive measures. And again, the Soviets picked up on this and thought maybe this is the prelude to some sort of nuclear attack. The various tensions all came to a head in November with the story of the NATO Table archer exercise. So I think 1980 was a very tense year, Um, uh, uh, a year that had very large, larger than life characters, had military confrontation, ideological split, um, economic rivalry. It all sort of came together in that year. We now know that the Soviet Union, not content with Dr. Castro's oath of fealty, not content with the destruction of Cuban independence, not content with the extension of Soviet power into the Western Hemisphere, not
0: content with a challenge to the inter-American system and to the United Nations Charter, has decided to transform Cuba into a base
1: for communist aggression, into a base for putting all of the Americas
0: under the nuclear gun. these days people like to to take sides and pick teams and it's almost like you have team 1983 and team 1962 uh, in terms of what people remember uh, I'm of course referring to the Cuban missile crisis I was just wondering how much of 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 everything is is this fear that comes with retrospect perspective with declassifying of files and, 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 and how much of it was actually felt at the time and how did it feel to be uh, in, on a, in a state of maximum alert at the time uh, and if that was a thing. Uh, what is your take on this split and, and on, on, on what people remember um, between these two very significant <laughs> years in that period?
1: Well, it's a, it's a very good question, because when you ask most people what was the most dangerous point of the Cold War, most people would say, well, it was the Cuban Missile Crisis, when, in the terminology of the, of the time, the two sides stared at each other with the big question, who would blink first? Um, and indeed, it was a very dangerous uh, time that could easily have unraveled, could easily have exploded into a, into a confrontation. The difference between the events of October 1962 in the Cuban Missile Crisis and the events I describe in my book in November 1983 is that the Cuban Missile Crisis happened very much in the public. Uh, Television programs, news programs were full of the President's latest statements of the meetings in Washington, of the US Navy uh, carrying out a blockade around Cuba. Of the uh, activities, building the missile stations in Cuba island on the island of Cuba. This was all very, very public. In America, people um, at work started to measure out the nearest route, to the to, to, to the the fastest route to the nearest air raid shelter. In Britain, people were very concerned. Somebody wrote in to Panorama, the BBC Panorama programme um on the on the um, telephone did rather while the program was going out saying is it safe to send my children to school tomorrow you know if the bomb is going to come do we want to all be separated maybe we should all stay at home not go to work not go to school um if we're all going to be annihilated you know people were very afraid of what was happening in 62 because it was a public event events in 1983 were totally secret nobody people knew it was a tense year, but nobody knew how close it came, particularly on the night of the 9th of November, nineteen eighty-three, when the Soviets very nearly launched a full-scale nuclear attack upon the West. Often, when I talk, um, people who were, uh, women who are Green Green in Common protesting one of the big protests against the installation of uh, American missiles in the UK. Often, they get up and say, "You put down the Green Green Common protest. You don't give us fair due." Uh, and my answer is simply well you had what you thought was the most frightening event in your vision the, the coming of pershing missiles to the uk and cruise missiles located in the uk in fact what was going on behind closed doors was far more de- dangerous than anything you were protesting about so the difference between 62 and 83 is this fact that in 52 it was a very public confrontation Uh, In 1983, nobody knew how dangerous the situation had become and how close we came. And it's only now, many decades later, with the uh, the sufficient number of documents, secret documents, secret records, accounts uh, coming into the public domain, that I can actually put together the story uh, really for the first time.
0: You uh, talk about the importance of being. Inside the mind of leadership, um, and you spent time with this research. I wonder how how you would advise uh, administrations today, because you know, uh, quoting you, Uncle Sam shouting from the rooftops at the time in in the face of Ronald Reagan reminds me an awful lot of uh, the current Uncle Sam that's and that's Donald Trump. Like one of the Peter, questions if I may ask on on the Russia investigation: Are you concerned that? That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may have Russian investigation
1: down. because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President,
0: are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? What, what, would, you, what would you say? What would you advise uh, a leadership at the moment who, who often use a loudspeaker to project, project views that could often cause, uh, you know, certain events to unfold in the way they did in 1983? But
1: well, I think the lessons from 1983 are very relevant to today and, and to the leadership on both sides, frankly, um, in Moscow and in Washington. I think the key thing is that in 1983, the United States convinced themselves that their intelligence establishment knew all about the Soviet Union. They knew how many missiles they had, they knew where they were located, they knew their destructive capabilities, um, they knew how uh, elements of the of their defense establishment operated and their intelligence establishment, the AGV, operated. They felt they understood the workings of the Soviet system, how its economy functioned or, or malfunctioned. What they had absolutely no idea of was what the Soviet leaders were thinking. They had got no way, no intelligence, and no diplomatic channels that relayed the thinking and the... Uh, the scare building up, the war scare building up amongst the Soviet leaders. And I think that's just as true today. We might think we know all about Iran or North Korea, but unless we speak to the leaders, unless we build up a dialogue with them, it's impossible to know, really, what, what the other side is, is absolutely thinking. And that's as true uh, today as it was in 1983. Likewise, on the Soviet side, the Soviets had built up such a um, such a, a, a picture, such an aggressive picture of the United States, overlaid with their own um, ideological position, vis-à-vis democracy and free enterprise, and their their hostility to um, American concern for human rights and, and so on, that they had no real understanding that. Talking tough was a, was a political line. It wasn't actually, didn't bring with it the serious threat to use nuclear weapons, but they convinced the Soviet leadership, convinced itself that that's exactly what the Americans intended to do. Both sides were locked in to uh, uh, a very stereotyped view of the other, but both were blind to what really the other side, the leading on the other side was thinking. And that story is relevant to the 21st century world as it was to the Cold War.